Welcome to Ovi's Backstop Podcast presented by CMG Sports Network with Sean Scanlon and myself, Ovi Muniz. The Red Sox completed their second week of preseason baseball. They finished with a 4-2 record. They looked very impressive, especially the last four games. They're on a winning streak. And overall, they are 7-5 and playing repeated teams like the Minnesota Twins, the Atlanta Braves, and the Tampa Bay Rays. And with that, Sean, we'll start off right off the bat with the very first question. Is this helpful for the Red Sox in their development and getting ready for opening day? Yeah, I do think that it is going to be helpful because um, I, I think it sets you up good for divisional games. Obviously, you know, in the division, you're going to see a lot of opponents, you know, multiple times a year. And, you know, we don't get that with the Braves and the Twins. It's a good way of, you know, scouting and, uh, you know, seeing, obviously seeing the team a lot. You're going to pick up on, you know, what they're really good at and what they're bad at. So I, I think it's good, uh, you know, going into divisional games like that. I think it's just a good, uh, it, it sets you up pretty good for that. And on top of that, they're all pretty good teams that we've been playing. Uh, the Braves, Twins and Rays were all, you know, playoff teams last year. Out of the local teams that were playing, really the Orioles are the only bad one. But I think it, I think it's a good setup. Obviously, you get to see these opponents a lot during the spring, so uh, just gives you time to adjust uh, on the fly. So I think it is a good thing. I mean, if it is a good thing, the first two weeks will probably benefit the Boston Red Sox because their game opener is a three-game series versus the Baltimore Orioles. They also host the Tampa Bay Rays uh, for another uh, three-game series. And then they go on the road facing the Baltimore Orioles. And then they travel to Minnesota for a four-game series. I, in a sense, I feel like sometimes uh, there's a little downfall into it. Uh, yeah, and I understand that they're trying to limit the, the travels and everything else. But players like Devers, who is struggling, you know what I mean? Is he struggling because going against these same pitchers or they, they already got him scouting out. They know what his weakness is, you know what I mean? Like... There's just so many variables. So I'm just hoping that uh, you are absolutely right about this, that it's beneficial. More news for the Red Sox is that they sent down at least 18 players this week uh, to the minor leagues. The roster is beginning to shorten down even more. And with that, that means there's just more playing time. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think there's a similar trend with a lot of the guys that got sent down. It's more of, you know, the younger guys on the team. Um, you know, you mentioned before the show that, you know, Brian Mata got sent down. He's one of our top pitching prospects. But right now, I, th I think we have that starting rotation filled out. So I, I think it's, he's still going to take some time to, you know, develop and uh, until he comes up to the, you know, the big leagues. And then Nick York, who was our first round pick this year, he's still only 18 years old. So I wasn't surprised by that one. But I, I feel like most of the guys that got sent down were more developmental guys. No really, you know, big surprises yet. Um, obviously, uh, I think in the coming weeks, they're going to have to cut down even more and more. But I, I think for the first couple cuts, this is this is what I was expecting. Um, a lot of young guys that, you know, I, I didn't expect that. I mean, it, it was good for them to make the original 40-man roster to, you know, play against some big leaguers. At the end of it, I, I think I, I wasn't really surprised with any of them. I am confident, though, in our farm system that if they get called up throughout the season, that they will definitely produce. But speaking about the uh, the roster itself, the starting pitching roster is looking like Eduardo Rodriguez may be the, the pitcher to be uh, at opening day against the Orioles. Then you have uh, Nathan Evaldi, Garrett Richards, Martin Perez, and Nick Pavetta. Those five are looking pretty good and pretty solid to remain with the Boston Red Sox as starting pitchers. And of course, you know, Chris Sale still on the disabled list or injured reserve. Him trying to recover for Tommy John surgery. We probably expect him in the summer to return to the team. So we'll have to wait and see on that. 
But our top performers for this week, I like Marwin Gonzalez. I think he, he, he was mm-hmm. beneficial this week, especially playing at left field. Uh, he already has five home runs to 22 RBIs altogether. Again, he's still trying to get into the swing of things, uh, even though he's batting a 211. But I see him as being a much better player than what he is right now. Also, uh, Michael Geddes. And Marcus Wilson. Marcus Wilson's already four for ten. Despite of him striking out five times, I mean, racking up total bases, and he's scored three times this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think you know those guys have really done good, uh, especially Gettys and Marcus Wilson. They're two, you know, again, two younger prospects that I think you know eventually will come up to the big leagues. And Marcus Wilson, especially, I, I think that we need a lot of help in the outfield. So uh, I think we're definitely going to see him at some point. And Marwin Gonzalez has been surprising. I, you know, I. I I've known him as a utility player a lot of the times and a good hitter, but I didn't know he had that power. So if he could add that power to the lineup, I think it will definitely be uh, uh, beneficial. But yeah, so I mean, some of the guys that I highlighted uh, that I think have been doing a really good job, uh, one of them is Jeter Downs uh, at the plate. Uh, you know, he's only had nine at-bats, but he's hitting 444 uh, with a 1323 OPS, which is, I mean, out of this world. And uh, I think that, you know, we're going to need a, a long-time second baseman at some point. I think Kike Hernandez will do a good job of filling in uh, for right now. But we haven't had a real, you know, second baseman since Dustin Pedroia went down with the injury a couple years ago. We've been, you know, cycling guys uh, in and out of there. So I think that, you know, having that uh, established second baseman will be huge because then it just gives a guy like Kike Hernandez, you know, the flexibility to play a bunch of other different positions like he's used to because he usually is that utility man. And uh, another man or another guy that I think has been doing really good is another player who I think could step into that second base role is uh, Jonathan Arauz. Uh, he's hitting 409 and 22 at bats, so he's got a, a bigger sample size, but he's also got six RBIs. And last year, uh, like I said, we were cycling through second baseman. He had a little stint before uh, Christian Arroyo got hot at the end of the season, so. I think that he's got a good chance to play some second base this year, too. And both these guys are only 22 years old. So I think the future is definitely bright for, you know, that infield. Uh, You know, Xander Bogarts isn't getting old really at all. I think he's going to be here for a long time. But just in case he isn't, uh, both these guys could play second and shortstop. So I think the the middle of the infield is definitely in good hands. Uh, Looking forward to the future. Let's let's move over to the the pitching side of the house. Matt Barnes has been looking like a a star that we missed in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the pressure is on uh, for him to try to earn that closing role. And so far, he's been scoreless since he's been pitching. Yeah, and this is huge. I mean, we uh, I think we talked about it last episode, but, uh, I mean, we need that closer uh, desperately. Obviously, since uh, Craig Campbell were left, we really haven't had that dominant closer. And Matt Barnes, like we said, uh, you never know where you're going to get when he, he comes out of the bullpen. Uh, he's been just really up and down the last couple of years. But I think it's definitely a good sign that he's been pitching, uh, you know, the baseball pretty good. So, uh, we're definitely going to need that kid to continue into the regular season, I think. I think for the pitching side of the ball, I, I uh, highlighted two starters. I think, you know, you mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez uh, and that big win over the Twins. It's the f- first time seeing him in action uh, really in, you know, over well over a year because he didn't play last year. But, uh, you know, he struck out six in four innings and only gave it one earned run. So I think it's definitely a good sign. I think that he's going to be our ace, especially with Chris Sale coming back from Tommy John. He won't be back till the summer. So I think we're going to have to depend on Erod as their ace. And I believe that he can do that because he showed it in 2019 when he won 20 games. I think he's just getting back to that level. And it was good to see that uh, 
that he's pitching well again. And then uh, Martin Perez, I, I think he looked really good in six innings pitch. Uh, he's given up a, a zero ERA and just three hits. So I think he was our most consistent starter last year, and uh, that's just continuing into this season. So it's really good to see because obviously our, our starting pitching uh, rotation needed a lot of help. And uh, we saw that uh, after last year, it, it really wasn't great. So I think getting these guys back uh, is definitely huge. So I think that, you know, the starting pitching rotation definitely has some optimism uh, heading into the regular season. The biggest struggles that I've seen so far with the Red Sox is Rafael Devers. Uh, Rafael Devers is currently batting a 120, one home run, three RBIs, and just 25 at-bats. At 25 at-bats, and that is a big concern. And you're talking about a guy, and I, and I don't want to include the 2020 season, but let's take it back at 2019, which was probably his best career so far. He batted 32 home runs, 115 RBIs. He averaged a 311, and he led the Major League Baseball in 54 doubles. And now we're in preseason getting ready. We're two weeks away, and he's batting a 120. Now that is my biggest, biggest concern. What's going on with Rafael Devers? I, I honestly do not know. I, it's been really concerning. And um, I haven't been able to, you know, because the, all the Red Sox game hasn't been broadcasted on Nesson. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it was on yesterday. But unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch all these games. So I really don't know what's going on. But based on the the stat line, it's not looking good. And we need him to be our star. I mean, because behind Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez, I mean, he's he's the future of this team. And obviously, like you said, in 2019, he had that great season. Uh, I thought that getting Alex Cora back would be huge for him because they have that great relationship. So I'm hoping it's just, you know, some some early season rust, uh, just trying to shake off some rust, you know, uh, going into the the regular season but at some point i mean he's he's got to get it going because we're like you said almost three weeks into the spring training now so uh at some point he's got to get the bat going because uh i mean that's that's his strength obviously uh he's okay in the field but his strength uh like you said is his hitting and his bat so he really needs to get on top of that and uh you know i, I love Rafi. he's one of my favorite players so i, I hate to see him struggling but uh, I mean, we're we're definitely going to need his bat if you know we want to have any kind of success and, and a tough AL East this year. So uh, stuff and concerning to see. Dennis Eckersley went on Nesson in an interview, and this is what he had to say about the Boston Red Sox pitching: Is Erod going to be Erod again? Nate Evaldi's nasty, but it's hard to have total confidence in something you haven't really seen. They give Garrett Richards ten million. They got some new guys in the bullpen. They're going to be better, but they're going to have a hard time winning 90 games. Now you're talking about a Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley, who was an awesome starting pitcher and at the end of his career was one of the best closers, especially when he was with the Oakland A's. Mm -hmm. He has a point there, man. Like, really, and I'm looking at the whole entire picture, not just the pitching itself. If the pitching's great, awesome, but you got to have some runs in there to support the pitching. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. 90 games, and, and we, uh, we said this before, at, um, Cora has not ever, two seasons with the Boston Red Sox, and he's never went under 80 wins. He had an 85-win season, and he went over 100 in his first year. Right? I mean, he had the yep. talent already built for him. He just came in there. Managed the game very well, with one of it being that we're the World Series champions in 2018. Do you think that the Red Sox this year could win 90 games with the roster they have now? 
I do. I, I I think that I have high hopes for this team uh, this year. Obviously, a lot of people are down on the Red Sox. You know, most people are projecting them to come in fourth place, uh, maybe in fifth and, and some projections that I've seen. But I think that's a little bit off. I, I think that the offense uh, last year, it wasn't really the problem. And I, I think we got even better uh, during the offseason. Uh, and especially if, you, you know, you take into account that J.D. Martinez didn't have a great year last year. I think that he's going to do a lot better. And then hopefully... Uh, like you said, Verdugo endeavors. I mean, they've been struggling so far this season, but I, I think those guys will get into their grooves. And then it's really, it really comes down to the pitching, uh, not just the starting pitching, but the bullpen was absolutely terrible uh, last year too. But uh, Dennis Eckersley has a point. Um, I, he's a great pitcher. Obviously, he, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to pitchers. So I think these guys just really need to step up. I'm not, I'm not worried about Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he is our best starting pitcher on the staff. Um, but he has a point with Nathan Navaldi, though. I think that, you know, obviously he has some nasty stuff. Uh, he, he throws some some heat and he's also got, you know, a really good curveball and slider. But uh, I think that, you know, he, he needs to be more consistent this year, too. And that's that's really what it comes down to with the starting pitching staff is the the inconsistency. You know, like I said, with, with Garrett Richards, too, they look good some days and other days they're, you know, they're giving up six, seven runs. So I think the, the pitching is really what it comes down to. We need to be more consistent. But. Uh, you know, if, if they do get more consistent this year, I think we could win 90 games because I think we have the potential with the starting pitching. Um, obviously, when these guys are at their best, I, I think we definitely could win 90 games, maybe even more because I believe in the offense. But uh, like I said, it comes down to the pitching and then uh, the bullpen pitching. Uh, hopefully Matt Barnes continues to play the way he is right now. Uh, Adam Adovino, has, uh, who required from the Yankees in the offseason, looks really good so far. So uh, I think, you know, those guys got to continue to play well. And, uh, you know, if these pitchers can, you know, uh, stay the course for the rest of the season and then hopefully Chris Sale comes in and contribute, contributes at the end of the year, then I do think that we could get to that 90 win mark. But let's go to the other side here. We're gonna, let's go to focus on the minor leagues. And, you know, minor leagues is all about de uh, developmental with these players are trying to move up to the main roster. But the Major League Baseball are using the minor leaguers as a sprawling experimental lab. That's right. There are guinea pigs, as a matter of fact, because <laughs> they're finding, trying to find ways to make baseball better, to attract younger youths, and to make it more fun again, to be more watchable and stuff like that. Uh, let's compare it to football, where there's always action in every down. You know, big discrepancy on football is the uh, uh, referees. You know, on how they decide to throw the penalty. In basketball, you see a lot of flops, you know? So there's some discrepancy there, but there's always action going on. And in baseball, it's a different tempo. So now what they're doing is they're trying to uh, make bigger bases in AAA, and they're trying to avoid no defensive shifts in AA. And in single A, fewer step off moves by pitchers or, I just say, more pitch limits. And a pitcher timer will be put under the microscope and examined by new top-level Major League Baseball staffs how all of this could be a contributive factor to making the game not only go faster, but more, more action. And what's your take on this? How do you feel about what is baseball now and what they're trying to do in the near future? 
Yeah, I like how they're trying to implement these new rules just to just to try and change it up. You know, obviously be more appealing to the younger crowd because, um, you know, baseball, obviously it's, a, it's an American pastime. But uh, the younger generations have really, you know, not latched on to baseball um, as much as they have basketball and football. And I, I think it is it does have to do with the pace of the game. So I do like these rules. Um, I think the. The pitcher stepping off, I think that's that's a big one because obviously uh, every time he steps off and throws over to first base, he, he gets booed at the, the home stadiums when there are fans in the stands. So I, I think that's a big one. And then uh, I think the time limit for the pitchers is huge too because when you're watching a baseball game, obviously it's it's one pitch and then you know you wait 15 or 20 seconds till the next one. So I, I think that that's big just to get the pace of the game going. Um, some of these games could last three, three and a half hours when really they could be cut down um, even shorter, I do think. So I, I think that's good for the pace of the game. And I like the double A rule too with uh, with allowing the no shifts um, because I think that's kind of ruined baseball a little bit. Uh, so I, I think the new rule with having, you have to have four infielders uh, touching touching the dirt at least they can't be in the the grass because usually most of the time when you see a shift either the second baseman or the shortstop is halfway into the outfield and then if, if you get a ground ball over there it's it's pretty much you know game over it's it's pretty easy out so i think that's a good rule just to try and um make it easier for the hitters because i think the the advantages to the fielders in that point so i think we'll we'll see hitters have a lot more success with that so i think it is uh some good rules to you know try and Try and appeal to the younger crowd uh, in baseball because I, I think you know, like I said, they're they're starting to lose their appeal a little bit um, with the MLB. So I, I think I, I like the rules. Uh, no, your thoughts on it? Though? No game is worth watching all the way past midnight. I'm sorry if you're already on your seat for three hours. I think that's the limit. You know, I think we all we all have to go home sometime and get some rest. And especially yeah. if you have a sold out crowd, then after midnight. Then all of a sudden you see fans just disappearing. That's not good. That's not that's not a good game. It's not good for baseball. Of course, out of the ordinary, if it was the playoffs, that would be a different story. Uh, but I do like the 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 change in rules that's going on this year, uh, for this season where they go extra innings. They will have a, a, a batter at second base, you know, mm -hmm. a runner at second base, excuse me, and start off the inning that way. That that's a good attraction. It worked very well, uh, very well in the minor leagues. So I can see it that it'll play off in Major League Baseball. But, uh, hey, I'm intrigued at how baseball is trying to make things better. And I hope that it's a success. I really do. But mm -hmm. what's not a success is our next story with Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon is a former Red Sox player who helped the Red Sox win the World Series, but he made a bad decision to cross the line and go to the New York Yankees. But he didn't learn his lesson because, unfortunately, he crossed the line with a, uh, a couple of police officers in Florida. According to the police report, Damon's blood alcohol level was tested twice and registered at 0.3 and 0.294, nearly four times the legal limit, which is 0 0.08 in Florida. There was a video that surfaced on social media where Johnny Damon was not complying with the police. He was instructed to stay in the vehicle, and unfortunately, he decided to get out of the vehicle. And more so, his wife, she was very uncontrollable herself. So, the police in Windermere, uh, excuse me, police in Windermere, Florida, released a body camera footage showing the whole entire incident. 
So listen, if there's anything learned here is one, you shouldn't be drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. And this is old news. You know, this is not something new that we're learning like, oh, we're not supposed to drink and drive. You already know this. I mean, I've been knowing this since I was little, going to school. Don't drink and drive. Don't do drugs. But yet, they think, well, actually, they don't think. They just execute. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. what what would happen if you're driving and you hit someone? You know, we we, we keep preaching and preaching about consequences, and yet they, they, they still make the dumb mistakes. Don't drink and drive. You know, and if you feel like you're stumbling and everything else, call a cab. Now you got Uber. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got all these agencies, different variety of programs for taxi. What's wrong with just calling the taxi and hey, drive me home? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, if, if you're drinking, you shouldn't be getting behind the wheel, especially, I mean, with that blood alcohol content. I mean, that's way over the legal limit. I mean, and it's, you're not just putting yourself at risk. Like you said, you, you know, you're putting the the lives of other people at risk i mean uh so i mean you, you shouldn't be getting behind the wheel um especially you know with that much alcohol and you uh, like you said there's there's places like uber um you know things like lyft it, you could easily just call and you know uh, pay a couple bucks and you know get a ride home or just call somebody else and get a ride home so and especially for a professional athlete like like their former professional athlete like this it's just a bad look i mean uh, I mean, you should have the, the money in the facilities to, you know, get be able to get a ride home and not uh, get behind the wheel. So it, it just puts other people's lives at risk. Um, and, you know, drinking and driving, like I, you know, like you said, it's uh, we, we learned that from a young age. You, you shouldn't drink and drive. So I think that, you know, it, it's just a bad look um, for Johnny Damon. So, I mean, it, it's yeah, just if you take anything away from that, just the, the lesson just to not drink and drive, because luckily, you know, luckily he got pulled over and, you know, uh, didn't harm anyone. But it, this easily could have been much worse for, you know, him and his wife. Unfortunately, there was a sad story this past week that affected not only Major League Baseball, but also the Red Sox organization. Left-hander Real Cormier, who's 16 seasons in the major leagues, including three with the Red Sox, had died and passed away last Monday after a long bout with cancer. He was 53. Cormier was 7-5 with a 4.07 earn run average in 48 games for the Sox in 1995 after being acquired from the St. Louis Cardinals. He was then traded to the Montreal Expos before the 1996 season before returning as a free agent in 1999. Cormier was 5-3 with a 4.17 ERA in that two-year stunt. He appeared in six playoff games in 1999, throwing seven two-thirds scoreless innings and striking out eight. Cormier also played for the Phillies and Reds. He 71 and 64 in his career with a 4.03 ERA. On behalf of our podcast, CMG, our condolences go out to the family, friends, and fans. Rest in peace, Cormier. This show is presented by Clovercrest Media, the CMG Sports Network. Visit clovercrestmedia.com for the variety of your favorite podcasts.
Tune in each week as we get set for our journey of the 2021 Red Sox Baseball. With Sean Scanlon, I am Ovi Muniz. This is Ovi's Backstop Podcast.